Okay, welcome back or welcome to to our new listeners, Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Fired up, joined by Michael Molinari, Ted Robinson, of course, courtesy of our friends at Bet River Sportsbook. And week one is in the books. Week zero was in the books. UCLA is on the front page of everybody's book. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to fly through this thing. Uh, but first and foremost, fellas, it was our first weekend together. Takeaway, Ted, you had a bow tie on. You were looking good, brother. How did it feel to be back in the booth? Well, Yogi, uh, look, being back in the booth was just phenomenal. And I've got to be honest, I didn't think it was going to be, I would be as rusty as I was Thursday night, just the mechanics of physically operating within a booth again, because it had been two years for us. And, uh, I, and so that was a challenge. The bow tie was great. It was a little tip of the hat to our longtime colleague, great friend, Lewis Johnson. Uh, Lewis is in Tokyo finishing up his coverage of the Paralympics. So that was a little tip to him. But look, Yogi, let's face it. There were two ties worn in the entire state of Arizona on Thursday night. Right, It was 100 degrees there. Two ties. So we had to represent the classy, stylish tie that you wore and the bow tie that I wore. <laughs> I love it. Michael, for you, how was it? You had the crew back. You're in the truck again. Uh, I was not wearing a tie in the truck. I can confirm that. <laughs> but... Uh... You know, there were parts that Ted said there were things that it was the first time being in a football truck in quite a while. But for the most part, I was pleasantly, I wouldn't say surprised, but pleasantly pleased how well we all got back on that bike and started riding. And it felt it really felt like it hadn't been away that long. So I was uh, I was really pleased for our crew. It was great to see old friends and there were some people that stepped up in new positions and really delivered. So I was, I was, I would say ecstatic about week one. Yeah, me too. I think my coolest takeaway was while every stadium wasn't sold out, the student section overflowed. We were at Arizona state at USC. That was just awesome to see, right? Think about it. Mark Brand taught, reminded us last year, no freshman went to a game. This year was their first game. So you had two classes and their first experience with college football, Ted, so that, that, that made it even more juiced up for, for standing next to you, man. Oh, and, and that will look, Yogi, that's the best part of what we saw, particularly at Arizona State. Uh, that, that was just phenomenal. They have built an incredible amount of enthusiasm. Um, I hope that they keep coming. <laughs> the game itself, Thursday night, we should get into that. It wasn't the most artistic game. Again, Remember, Arizona State had played four games in two years. So I think everything we say about this game needs to be framed. And I, I try to remember that myself. But the sheer fact that there was enthusiasm from students is what the vast majority of schools in the Pac-12 Conference need. Fans, yes, but it starts with it's getting students to the games. Amen. All right, so let's start in the South, Ted. You referenced Arizona State. Uh, we're going to break it up today. South. North humanity moment for our first time listeners. Uh, you reference Arizona State, Ted. They have UNLV. Marcus Arroyo comes into town, still looking for his first victory in his young career. We had their game where they won 41 14. Score looked good. Jane Daniels' numbers look good. For me, Arizona State did not look like the team that we saw in training camp two weeks ago. What did you see? Uh, well, I, I, I've been had this hammered in my head, I think, through all my years of baseball. And it feels uh, very applicable to me to the Arizona State game we saw. Uh, they're, they're, how well a player or a team plays is really not in the control of a coach. That's the execution by the player, by the athlete. 
you know, ultimately, if a player doesn't perform well, then the coach's responsibility is to find the player that will perform. That's the difference. But the actual execution of the game, if a quarterback's throwing the ball poorly, that's not on the coach. How a team plays, though, is. How a team plays, to me, is radically different than how well a team plays. That's a big difference. And how Arizona State played in that game was not, to me, the way anything that a championship team would want. It was certainly not what Herm Edwards would hold his team to a standard. And thus, I do find that that's something he has to address. It's That's the responsibility of a head coach is how his team played. And Herm was blunt about it. He said the Sun Devils played the Sun Devils. He was 100% right. And that needs to be corrected because everything else seems to be there, Yogi and Michael. But I think everything for Arizona State is there for them to make this a, a very good year. Yeah. Ted, undisciplined. That, and, and we kind of felt that kind of felt that could be a possibility going in and it it definitely happened just really undisciplined penalties throughout the game and uh which makes it difficult to get a rhythm probably both on offense and on defense so i think if they clean that up you might see that team that you saw in training camp a few weeks ago but you can't do it if you're making mental errors constantly like happened on thursday yeah my my you know, out of all the stuff that happened there, the biggest takeaway I had was that we know they can run the football. They're going to run the football, but they wanted to establish the pass game. And they never did. To your point, Michael, they never found a rhythm. So do they flip it this week? Do they flip it this season and say, let's just pound the football and let that establish our passing game versus get Jaden Daniels and this young receiving core going early? I would look for that this weekend. Um, look, they're obviously favored in this one, um, but but overall... I look at this one and think Arizona State, I still believe in them, but I waver a little bit. They gave me enough to be like, I don't know, guys. You're too veteran to play as sloppy as you played. The, the biggest the biggest tape takeaway is going to be for opponents, as you said, Yo, they're going to look at those two running backs for Arizona State, two running backs that can both run. And that, that's absolutely right. The question watching starting this week will be, do they have a receiver emerge, right? Like we saw Drake London for USC mm. and our game at the Coliseum Saturday, he, he, he jumped out and flashed. Arizona State needs to have somebody start on that track. Yeah, so let's bridge to the Trojans. Uh, we were all there at the Coliseum, overflowing student section. It was a hot day in LA. Uh, we see him come out and do some nice things early on. It was the Drake London show on the first drive and really the fourth quarter when they needed to put the game away, they did. Uh, I came away extremely impressed with the defense. I'm talking extremely. Man-to-man coverage, those receivers of San Jose State could not get off the line of scrimmage. They could not get open. There was nothing there. But running the football, they still they still struggled there. Now, two second-year right and left tackles. Uh, they want to run the football. You saw them attempt to do that a lot. And this week, they have the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, so here we are, first conference game of the season. Uh, Michael, your first takeaway from SC, what, what do you want to see from them this weekend as the kickoff conference play? Well, I think the one thing that people forget is San Jose State is not a pushover cupcake, as we said at the top. So they have they have really solid defensive linemen, probably at least two that are going to play on the Sundays, as they say. And uh, so I think the true test is going to be, can USC run the ball against Stanford? And I think that's really going to – that's going to be telling because, like you said, the defense – in some ways, the defense was one of USC's strongest offense offense last week. They 
the defense scored a pick six. Uh, uh, Drake Jackson had an incredible interception and return with the spin move. That was just like, that was, you're not going to see that. That might be one of the defensive plays of the year. And that was week one. We'll see. But I think their defense is really solid. Can other guys get open besides Drake London? That's the real question. I know they had a touchdown late. That The first touchdown was definitely uh, kind of thrown into coverage, I felt, to Washington. But can other guys find separation? We know Drake London can. I think the key on offense is others getting separation and establishing a run, which we'll find out against Stanford if those two things can happen. But the defense, A+, plus, 10 out of 10, however you want to put it, for USC. Ted, your first takeaway from SC, we saw him in person. Actually, I'm with you on the defense. And the first takeaway I had, a player that I knew very little about that jumped out was Caleb Bullock. Freshman safety, has to play Mandy. And they told us Friday that he was the real deal in our meetings. They were right. He looked right in place. First uh, freshman to start at safety in a season opener. Uh, first game on campus since Sua Cravens. He looked the part. And I think that's a significant ad for USC. Uh, the, the thing that puzzled me, guys, you look at the stats at the end of the game, and USC's rushing numbers on paper look pretty good. Apaye and, and Ingram, the Texas transfer, both had nice run totals. Watching the game, I didn't feel that way. And I, I, you guys know how I feel about this. There was a play early in the third quarter. That USC's up 13-0, and they have fourth down, and it was a foot, foot and a half. In their own territory, it might have been around the 35 or 40-yard line. And to me, that's a moment where if I were in charge and I'm USC, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it because that's a statement. It's a statement to my team. It's a statement to everybody supporting me that we believe it's a new year. We can run the ball when everybody knows we're going to run the ball. And by the way, if for some cat catastrophic reason we don't get it, my defense is pretty good. You know, I, I, I just think that was a, a moment that I really wanted to see USC step up and say, this is a new year for Trojan football. And it's funny because we'll talk about it. We saw somebody else do it <laughs> in their game. And, and I, 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 man, I, I'm just all on board with that. So that's the one play that even as we're talking, guys, 72 hours after the game, it's still sticking with me is, I wish I'd seen USC go for it. Yeah, that's interesting because in real time, uh, I wasn't on that same page. I was thinking, all right, I like it where they're at. And I wonder what, what SC, the staff thought when they looked back at it, Ted. And I wonder if they thought they could run the ball, right? Like I wonder as they evaluated those two yeah. tackles, if they were like, yeah, we want to, but can we? Cade Hall, uh, Junior Fajoko for San Jose State, to Michael's point, they're NFL players. Um, and I, and I'll be curious to track it because I think as we look at this game for SC, uh, I think the line is 17 and a half. I think that Stanford's going to say, beat us running the ball. Beat us running the ball. You know, we'll see if they're healthy at linebacker. One of their top linebackers didn't play in the K-State game. Uh, but I, I see them dropping eight and not letting Drake London have a career high game. Not letting Taj Washington run man to man on a go route against a corner for a touchdown. Uh, if that's the case, SC's going to move the football. So I, I can't wait because now you're going to be invited to run the ball. Can you distort the line of scrimmage in the game? If I'm watching it, it's not sexy, but that's where I go for this ball game. Uh, so let's spin it to where we're going this weekend, uh, Arizona. You, first drive of Ted, Jed Fish's career. Uh, 
I saw on, on social media, by the way, I thought it was pretty uh, creative. Jed Lasso might become a nickname based on Ted Lasso and how he's <laughs> cultivated this team. We'll ask him about That's that good. when we get there. It's pretty good, right? Um, his Adam first Gordon, drive. Where are you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but their first drive of his career. He doesn't know much about his team in competitive settings because it's his first game. And he goes for it on fourth and short in his own territory. He did it a couple times in the ball game. Uh, this is a guy who is, whether you want to call it playing the statistics or just as an aggressive mindset, he's going to go for it. I loved it watching it back. We obviously missed the beginning of that game because we had our own game, but I watched that back on Sunday and said, wow, this is much closer than what I thought it was when I caught the fourth quarter, right? Because you just see the score, they're up two and a half scores or whatever it is, and you're thinking, oh man, it's just a night in the, you know, a challenging day for Arizona. Gunnar Cruz looked good, other than some bad sacks and a bad pick, but things he can clean up. Uh, Michael, as you prepare for this one, curious what, what stood out to you and what you're looking forward to. Well, overall, it was the energy and the heart from the Wildcats that I don't think we've seen in a while. And sometimes that takes a change at the top. And sometimes that takes more than just that. It takes a change of culture. And I think that's what Jed Fish is doing. And, and it showed. It showed against BYU, I thought. I mean, think about it. They make two they missed two field goals that one was right over the top of the post. You could argue probably was good and one was missed, but all of a sudden those two scores happen. Now it's a different situation. Gunnar Cruz isn't trying to force that ball in there because he needs two scores late. Maybe they're just going for the win on that drive and it might be a different story, but it was the energy in the heart. And then uh, Stanley Berryhill, the number I'll give, I don't know. I, you can give the person credit. Yogi, okay, I knew you sent it to me and I hate to, to throw out a number. I hope it was uh 83 of his 102 yards were after the catch. Think about that. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. So I, I think obviously he's going to be the guy we highlight at the top because I think he's a really exciting player, hometown, the whole, the whole thing was leaving, came back. I mean, it's a great story. That's the other thing in this day and age that Jed Fish was able to convince so many kids who were, they were gone, convince them to come back and play for him in that short time period. That's pretty impressive. I mean, this guy, I can't wait to, I've never met him. I know you know him so well, Yogi. I can't wait to meet him on Friday. It's uh, just sounds like incredibly dynamic. And I'm, I'm really excited for this weekend and the future at Arizona. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Jed Fish will be mic'd up for the game, which is going to be really cool. So tune into that on the Pac-12 Network. I'm sorry. I love it. Just uh, people, NBA fans, a little TV inside. When we do the coaches wired, on NBA shows, we have a mic all the time. We listen to it, we screen it, we play it back. That's what Jed's agreed to do this entire game, which frankly, I don't know if a college football coach has ever done it. Basketball, it's been done. Football, I'm not certain it has been done. And by the way, as a little segue, Steve Kerr, Mr. NBA of the Gold State Warriors is gonna be the honorary captain, we'll be at the game and we hope to get him on as well. Yeah. A lot of reasons to listen to that one. Uh, it'll be fun. San Diego State, Brady Hoke, um, they win their first game. The line is one and a half. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. I think it'll be a sellout. They got a DJ in the student section. A lot of reasons to tune into that one. Uh, quickly, Ted, before we get to UCLA, uh, Colorado and Utah. Colorado, uh, they roll over Ed McCaffrey. First game as a head coach in Northern Colorado. His son, Dylan, is the quarterback. A little closer than anticipated. 
early on in that ball game. They settle in, they pull away. Jarek Broussard continued to shine. And then Utah, right? We were talking about running backs at Utah all offseason, Ted. We never talked Tavion Thomas. No. Ever, right? I mean, I didn't even know about the guy. Britton Covey kind of gave me a heads up on him a couple weeks ago, but this dude balls out. He started at Cincinnati, went to Independence Community College. If you watched Last Chance U, that was one of the schools a couple years ago. Uh, and he goes for over 100 in his first game. And they have BYU. And BYU is going to play a lot of games against the Pac-12. Uh, what are you looking forward to, Charlie Brewer, when you look at this game? And then Colorado, they've got a huge one against A&M at uh, Empower Field at Mile High. Well, I, I, I'm fascinated by the Utah scenario, uh, Yoga and, and Michael, because, look, we know the first week we had you know, some real highs for the Pac-12. There were also some disappointments. There's no to be blunt about it. Some veteran teams, some veteran quarterbacks that didn't have great opening games. And suddenly here comes the one of the new guys with all this experience from Baylor and Charlie Brewer as a, a baller. I mean, you know, and apparently some drops. I did not see the game because, again, we were working at Arizona State that night. But apparently there were some drops. Otherwise, he has a, a nearly pristine start. And if Utah... How many times have we said that if Utah has some explosive plays in their offense, if Utah scores some points, how that changes what has been the pattern for them in the South, right? If they put a little bit of juice into that offense, like they did against Weber, who's a, again, Weber uh, is an FCS team, but they're traditionally really good in the big sky. So I say again for Utah, that shows me something that they run 40 up on them in game one. That could change a lot in the South. Amen to that. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. It's going to be a great game, the rivalry we know with BYU and Utah. And then Colorado has a chance to make some noise here. Uh, they got to get better. I'm excited to see their young quarterback. Uh, how does he do against, you know, arguably one of the better teams in the country? All right, the story of the country, the UCLA Bruins. I want to share with you some info, okay? Um, when he took the job, when Chip Kelly took the job, UCLA has seen 42 players transfer out of the program. 17 have transferred in. Some it was injuries, some said grad school, some said I'm done, some medically retired. But just to lay the groundwork for everybody who's like Chip Kelly hot seat into the season, when you watched it, you saw this slow build, right? They played 53% of freshmen his first year, right? The year before that, they played 37, really young. Now they're veterans and they owned, and I got no problem saying they own the line of scrimmage against Eddie O with their sissy blue shirts on. That's just the reality. You'd say it if you were in the SEC and we would have to wear it. I'm not afraid to say it in the Pac-12. They own the line of scrimmage. LSU didn't want to be it, be there. They didn't want to be in that type of battle in the trenches. Who would have thought we would have said that? Who would have thought that? I'm just curious, Yogi, did you happen to put that on Twitter? Like once or 43 times? Yeah, yeah. Red hot. It just came out of me like a sauna. It came came out of me. But I mean, two yards per carry, LSU. Two yards per carry. And guys, I would I would offer because we did have a chance to watch a lot of that. Thanks uh, at Shea Roth, uh, following our game at the Coliseum. Uh, thank you, Amy. But um, that's as impressive in my two cents here. That's as impressive a Pac-12 win as I can remember in the last few years. For the very point you just raised, Yogi, it wasn't just winning the game, and it wasn't with razzle dazzle, and you know. Uh, it was just, like you said, it was, it was, there were explosive plays, but there was just good football there. I mean, it was just good, sound football, as you said, physically against an SEC team. And I, I, we all know what LSU has gone through. Okay, so that's out there. We get it. For 
the UCLA team that you said started in Chip Kelly's first year with how many scholarship players played his first year? I think it was in the 50s, right? Yeah. Scholarship players. 50. Yeah. They only had right. 54 players and went to SC to win. So to get to this point where you physically beat a team that was national champions two years ago, I, I, man, I'm saying, hey, look, it, it didn't take very long for the, uh, for the, for the, drum beat to start in los angeles about whose town this is right i mean you, I told you know you about the bandwagon that. ted i told you last pod about the yes. bandwagon in la yeah, yeah. uh here's well, some you know, here's some numbers oh sorry ted go ahead. no yeah, you know how that's been heard already at usc you know that and that's okay it's great for it's great for the pac-12 look and again i i you know sure michael we, we've been watching this and we've been waiting for a game like that not just a win but that kind of a win, we've been waiting for that for a Pac-12 school against a Power 5 school like LSU for a long time. My, my three numbers, Yogi, rushing, UCLA 210, LSU 48. DTR, three touchdowns on passes on 16 attempts. How about that for efficiency? And uh, UCLA, six and one in the last seven versus the SEC. That's a number I, that I did not know. <laughs> So those it. are my numbers from that yep. game that jumped out of me. Amen. And we got them in their next game. They have a bye this weekend. It'll be on the Pac-12 Networks. We'll keep you posted on that one in two weeks. Um, all right, Ted, you're at the U.S. Open. So we're going to rip right now. If, if you got to jump in a few minutes, it's all good. Uh, but let's go to the north. Uh, before we do that, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time. They're offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what we love because this sets them apart, is they require just one play through to turn your bonus into cash money. They got a new Rush Pay instant approval. Withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, more reliable, and with football season getting rolling, here we go in a week too. Get in on the action, betrivers.com. Download the BetRivers iOS app. Of course, you gotta be 21 years or older. And if you're struggling with a gambling problem, just call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, FYI, Colorado, 16 and a half point dogs in that one in the South. U Utah, uh, it's seven and a half against BYU. The total is 47 and a half. So we'll see what rolls with those games. All right, Ted, uh, talk to us. You live in the Bay Area. We referenced Stanford a little bit. They played two quarterbacks in K State, struggled. The Cal Bears surprised, I think, all of us. We knew Nevada's good. They got a talented quarterback. They struggled in a non conference loss. Your takeaway from the Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, it's just massively disappointing. There's no question. And I, I think, to me, Cal's more disappointing because obviously it was a home game. We know Nevada is better. Jay Norvell had Nevada going last year. But for me, the, the Cal game, and I really tried to dive deep into it because look, they're up 14 now. They owned the first quarter of the game, two long drives that kept a you know, pretty good quarterback, Carson Strong for Nevada, kept him off the field. And then don't score the rest of the game. Two red zone trips, two deep red zone trips in the fourth quarter. No touchdowns, one field goal. Uh, it's a mystery. It's an absolute mystery because what Cal did in the first quarter, running the ball, sustaining drives, they could not come close to doing in the last three quarters. So that was so disappointing. Uh, and the other, you know, the guys, the number that I've been rammed into my head by a lot of football people that you look at, to measure a pass game as yards per attempt, not completion, yards per attempt. Chase Garbers for Cal is 38 attempts, 177 yards. I mean, that's less than five yards an attempt. That's just, uh, that, that's really, that, 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 
that one just did stunge it. So, I mean, that to me is the big disappointment. Stanford, you know, we, we always, I think most of us are, are, are somewhat leery about the two quarterback situation. Um, I, I wonder because David, we've seen David Shaw do this before. David Shaw is an extremely loyal coach in my view. We've seen him do this before when he had a young guy named Kevin Hogan who had redshirted behind Andrew Luck and was ready to play. And David Shaw started to follow uh, the first year going with an experienced quarterback. He finally had to shift midway through the year. He did not play Christian McCaffrey right away as a freshman. Um, So now Jack West gets this opportunity. Um, There's a lot of buzz around the Stanford people that you just have to give the ball to Tanner McKee. And, And a lot of it revolves. And I think Yogi, we doing the Stanford spring game felt this way about upside. That if you really are looking at upside, that that would seem to be in Tanner McKee's favor. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I'm curious. You know, I said it earlier. Like, if I was a player, you're embarrassed by that. Uh, if you're a coach, you're frustrated by that because you know you're better, right? I think there's a big difference. You know, it's not an embarrassing loss to Kansas State. Kansas State uh, they play tough, hard nosed football. They have a really talented quarterback in his sixth or seventh year, and Skylar Thompson, electric back. Uh, coach Shaw talked to us about him in training camp. Um, but I thought they would have been able to move the line of scrimmage more. And I look forward to seeing a bounce back opportunity for them because they have it at the Coliseum. And same with Cal. They go to TCU. Right? It's a big non-conference game against the Big 12. Uh, we They usually do well in their non-conference games. I'm, I'm curious. That's an early one. Uh, that's 9.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific. So it'll be fun to uh, watch how that one shakes out in that, in that regard. Um, excuse me. That's 12.30 Pacific, 3.30 Eastern. Uh, all right. So let's keep moving uh, up the road. Let's go to Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon has the biggest game in the league, in my opinion, this week. They go to Ohio State. Uh, they get a win, had to come from, you know, it was, it was a challenging game, right? Jake Hayner, former UW transfer, made a little noise there. Uh, Oregon State goes on the road and they lose to Purdue. Uh, Oregon State, uh, this weekend, they play Hawaii. Hawaii um, has already played two games, of course, one of them against UCLA. Uh, Michael, when you, when you think of this big game for the Ducks, and the loss for the Beavs, um, and uh, what, do, what kind of stands out to you? What do you need to see from Oregon to get a win, and what did you see from Oregon State? Well, I, th- I want to go the big number to me as we shifted from the south to the north. Last week, the south, 5-1, and one, the north, 1-5. and five. So the north needs to – they need to make a statement this week for sure. I thought, uh, you know, the biggest question, obviously, going to Ohio State for – Oregon is the health of Kayvon Thibodeau from everything that I've seen from Mario Cristobal. They feel like it's, it's not, it's not major. It's, it's not, it's not going to be a season altering ordeal. And, you know, we hope he can be out. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to make a huge difference is Thibodeau in or out. So I think that's going to be major going into Ohio state. Um, And obviously just think about if, if the pack could get UCLA over LSU and Oregon over Ohio State, back-to-back weeks. I think I think at least for the uh, as early as you could say these words, the college football playoff. That's a huge that's a huge footing for them. I know Ted cringe when I said that. Sorry, Ted. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it all depends on Thibodeau and Ohio State. As far as Oregon State, watching we were at your house watching that game, and it looked like it was over. And the one thing that just Jonathan Smith keeps doing is keeping his team in the games late. They still haven't found a way to get over that hump. It's just that narrative that keeps continuing, but they don't give up. 
I mean, it was like a pack it in situation. They march right down the field and score at Purdue. And you're like, they're back in this thing. And uh, mm-hmm. so I just think they're just so close. And, you know, they have the two quarterback thing as well. And, you know, how does that get worked out? I think they will decide on a quarterback at Oregon State. I think Jonathan Smith's just kind of both played about the same last week. So maybe hard to make a decision, but I think they will eventually end up with one quarterback. And I think they're going to surprise a few people this year in conference. I just think they've just got to get over that hump. And hopefully this will be the year for them because the attitude, we've been up there a few times, the players there, the people there, the fans there, Jonathan Smith, it's all, it's a great vibe. And I just hope they can get that little bit over the hump. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, for the Ducks, I'm excited to watch Anthony Brown against C.J. Stroud. Anthony Brown was on our set with Coach Aliotti. He was frustrated with his game. He knew it wasn't great. Uh, I can't wait to see the bounce back. The QB run game with them is impressive. It, it'll, it'll just be fun. It's going to be must-see television around the country. Uh, they kick it off, the big uh, noon kickoff, which is 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox. Can't wait to watch that one. Uh, and then we go to two... Uh, Let's be blunt, like two disappointing losses, you know, UW and Washington State. I mean, we can't, there's there's no two ways around that one, guys. Uh, UW loses a game that no one thought they would to Montana. Uh, you know, we know their coach. He's been around for a while. Uh, coach Hauk, uh, 13 to 7. Man, that was a tough watch for me. I'll get into that in a second. And Washington State, they lose late to Utah State, 26-23. Uh, Wazoo this weekend. Uh the pregame show on the Pac-12 Networks will be there. They play Portland State, who lost to Hawaii. And UW, of course, they go and play Jim Harbaugh at the Big House in Michigan. Ted, uh, your thoughts on those two programs and the games they have? Well, well the, uh, the, look, the Washington State one is, is also just one. I mean, you, you know, they, uh, Nick Rolovich picked his quarterback. The transfer, Guarantano, he gets hurt. So Jaden Moore comes back in, does great. Then they run which Rolovich admitted was on him. They run a package in the goal at the goal line for a third quarterback. Stanford did the same thing in its game. Uh, and that didn't work. They didn't score a touchdown down there. They could have put the game away. And to Nick Rolovich's credit, he took the fall after the game. He said, that's on me. But uh, boy, the end of the game, that last Utah state score, which I just saw the highlights of was, was not, was not very good. And look, there's nothing positive you can say for Washington. It's sad. I mean, we know their receiver core was, was diminished. They just lost another receiver who transferred in, just went out. Uh, we, we learned for the year with an injury, but they had two, two chances at the end of the game to push the ball down the field and couldn't even remotely come close to it. And I, I we were watching together when this happened and I, I was torn because the defensive coordinator from Montana is a guy with a lot of packed roots, Kent Bear has been a defensive coordinator in his career for four different schools <laughs> in the pack. The last one being uh, being uh, at Colorado, but he was you know a Rose Bowl team at Stanford. He was the D coordinator for. He's now finishing up his career by going back to his roots in Montana, and you know that had to feel good. So point being, it's Montana, but he's just the head coach and body house that's well regarded and a D coordinator with a ton of top level experience. But man, for Washington to have to prepare for for this trip to the big house. Uh, coming off that, I mean, it's just it's just a tough, tough week in Seattle. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a challenge. My my thoughts on UW specifically. I think playing at Michigan's probably the best case scenario for where you are. You go on the road, you go to one of the most hostile places you're going to see all season long, and this is the old coach mantra: it's us against the world. It's the sixty some guys that travel, and I think that's good because if you play at home and don't move the ball. 
because offensively they were challenged after their first drive of the game. They didn't do much. You're it's the boo birds. It's try too hard. You're just going to play. It's just you go play in that environment. Michigan rolled in their first game. I think it was Western Michigan. Uh, are they going to overlook Washington? Like there's some natural elements there. So I like this game and we'll see what UW's made of, right? What's the bounce back quality of this team? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to see creatively what they do. Kate Otten, of course, their biggest weapon. Uh, so I look forward to it in Washington state. They got to get a win. They got to get a win man, against Portland state, Ashley and Aliotti and Nigel will be there. It'll be fun for Nigel, Nigel Burton, force the former head coach at Portland state. So there it is. We ripped through every single team. Uh, you know, what's next. It's the humanity moment of the week before that. Um, I want to just let you know about the field of 12 media. It's a brand new podcast and digital media network covering college football. We're stoked to be a part of this. It's brought to you by shoot your shot productions. Uh, they're behind the field of 68. Uh, so the field of 12, what do we do? We give you insight into the game. We all love by people who have lived it. You like the big 12. We like TCU Cal this week, Trevor Knight, Bryce Petty. They got you covered. Uh, the Big Ten, of course, we got the Michigan game, Ohio State, Joshua Perry, Christian Hackenberg. They have that. Hackenberg's phenomenal. Uh, Max Starks and Clint Sterner own the SEC. The SEC does not own the Pac-12. I'm just going to kind of put that in one more time after that UCLA game. Uh, and <laughs> ACC is Harry Douglas and right Cody Sensenbaugh. That's right. Uh, and, of course, we'll be here every week to be your go-to source in the Pac-12 conference. We've got you covered. It's going to be a fun year. Uh, just check out all the links below for the rest of our shows uh, in the field of 12. Remember, that is where college football happens. All right, Michael, take it away. Humanity moment of the week. A, a public service announcement first. Um, you mentioned the the late score against Washington State. I got home from your house. Um, my cable system doesn't have Pac-12 network, but I know how to go on the internet and go to Sling or go to other places and find it pretty easily and watch it on my phone, even broadcast it to my television. And I believe even in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do that for those out there looking for the network. Um, Anyway, moving on of my humanity moment of the week. What What a way to begin. We said it was great. I'll tell you what makes what makes a week great is when you work with incredible sports information directors. And we had like the hall of fame Vanguard group with Mark Brand at ASU, Tim Tessalone at USC, and the great Lawrence fan at San Jose State, who combined have over 130 years, maybe 150 years of experience. I'm not great at math. Um, and then I got a shout out to Tyler Roper at Southern Utah, year one. And he did a hell of a job too. Uh, but anyway, so we had the vanguard to start. We were all set. And then my favorite moment of the week is getting with the players on Friday. And at USC, we had Drake Jackson, Keontae Ingram, Nick Figueroa, Keen Slovis, who, by the way, with Yogi, me and Keen Slovis in one room together, the cosmetology department is a little upset with that much hair product altogether. <laughs> but uh, I think we just managed to stay under the limits of. But I'm insulted, those, Mike. Yes. <laughs> those guys, all four of those guys, you couldn't name four guys that came from four different backgrounds, four different journeys, but they sat there together in this brotherhood of being teammates. That was so awesome to see. And yeah, we got some stuff from them that we got on the air, but for us selfishly, just getting together with those four guys for the 20 minutes we had was just, that was the most, that was the most entertaining, the most, uh, the funnest part of my week every week. You get that sense of, okay, I, we're going to be good for the future when we meet kids like that. So that was great. But 
it was all trumped by the moment I walked into Yogi's house and we had the reveal. <laughs> Young Mackay. <laughs> One-year-old Mackay who through the pandemic I had not had the opportunity to meet yet. And I was told he doesn't like strangers, but he, he got to my arms and we hung out together for about 25 minutes watching the games, eating his chips. And the funny thing was, I didn't know he could walk. Like, he had no idea. You know, the kids, they squirm normally. But he was just so content just hanging out with me. And finally, Amy goes, you know, he can walk. And I put him down. He starts walking away. So it was, that was the moment of my week. All the football was awesome. But young Mackay, that was, that was the, the highlight of my week. And, Uncle Molinari. Uh, Hey, can I just tack on one little addendum to the humanity moment? My version of a humanity moment, because what Michael, you said is terrific. We went to the Coliseum. I had not been to the Coliseum in a couple of years, so it's now totally redone. And they did a USC did a fabulous job with it. But USC, like many schools, both in our conference and around the country, have embraced reality. And you can now buy an $18 craft beer at a USC home football game. Whatever it that takes. Is, that takes a lot of humanity. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, by the way, uh, I got a shout out to Zane, too. My guy, he's going to be an awesome big brother. You can see it already. So hats off to yeah. Zane, too. It was it was so good, the games, calling it. But it was it was really fun having you guys over after the game and just kicking it. Uh, hopefully, we do that a lot more. We get early games on the West Coast. That'd be fun. Parties at our house if you're in L.A. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Um, week one in the books. Week zero in the books. The Bruins. They are on the front of everybody's book. We got you covered on all things Pac-12. Keep it locked right here for Ted and Michael. I'm Yogi. It's Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.